I'm like Mario in Mario Kart. I don't hit the hardest, I don't move the fastest, I am a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And so I don't get to lean onto something. And so the, what I learned that I get to lean on is being disruptive. That's why I have classified punches as Frankie's bag of bullshit punches, which are just a bunch of punches that don't hit hard, but they're either really quick, yeah. snappy, or they look like one punch and become another one because that's uncomfortable. And as soon as you make someone uncomfortable, they either shell up or go wild. Mm -hmm. And when you're fighting, when I see either of those two things, I go, okay, now I just need to stay calm through the storm, or now I need to break down the walls. Hello, I'm Eden, and this is Keep the Mess, messy conversations with messy people, where we have conversations about how we relate to our bodies and go down whatever rabbit holes we find. I started this podcast because I'm a bit obsessed with this topic. I struggle with embodiment myself and wanted to learn about how other people live in and out of their bodies. I figured if I'm interested in these things, chances are that others are also interested. So welcome, fellow obsessives. In this episode, I speak with my friend and boxing trainer, Frankie. This was recorded July 14, 2022, and it was the fifth interview I did. I've done 15 of these interviews so far, and this was certainly the one where I felt the most insecure. While we were talking, I said something that bumped into some of Frankie's defenses, and his response bumped up against my defenses. But fortunately, we were both able to roll with it and able to talk about defensiveness. In this episode, Frankie talks about boxing, vulnerability, and learning how to take care of himself. And because it is relevant, I include a section from the audio test, which is when I prep people for the interview. Spoilers for Interstellar and Don't Look Up. And lastly, I want to remind people that just because I have someone on this podcast doesn't mean I agree with them on all matters, or even many. These episodes are not about facts or saying things perfectly, but about people's stories, their experiences, their processing. Connecting and communicating with ourselves and each other is a messy affair, so I ask for a listening ear and some grace. All right, here is my interview with Frankie. I tend to be doing first names of people. I don't do full names. Um, and uh, anonymity is not, you know, entirely, <laughs> like I can't do full anonymity. I, gr I, yeah. I grew up in the public. My parents are both newscasters. Oh. Yeah, so I'm very comfortable I'm in front of cameras, microphones. I, my, my name and my face is out there pretty publicly. Um, and I'm, I'm never afraid to share. And that's actually a blessing I got from my mom. Yeah. My mom went through recovery. Uh, she, she's going in, she's in recovery right now. She's a yeah. uh, recovered alcoholic and she's something around 20 years sober. And growing up, I remember just being like, I swear to God, my mom would introduce me and be like, hi, my name is Roberto Romero and I'm an alcoholic. Yes. I think I've told you about this. Um, and that's, uh, that's how she would, I swear to God, that's how she'd introduce herself. She was very open. She was very public about it. And I was very uncomfortable with it as a kid. I was like, because like, I don't know, I just was. And then I've kind of realized how much of a blessing that was. Mm -hmm. Making me more 
okay with my demons, if that makes sense, and my mm-hmm. and everything like that, because th- I'm not I'm not afraid of any of that stuff, because you know it might help people. You might learn something new and all these kind of stuff. So when when my when my bad things come out, I'm very not I don't even call them bad things. Just I'm very open to talking about my losses as much as my wins, mm-hmm. because those losses define those wins. Mm-hmm. Like I like like one that I always lean on to is like my high school experience, my first attempt at college. Mm-hmm. I failed horribly. I barely graduated high school and I failed off the, out of like the first quarter of college. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a grad. It's just this thing that I'm not afraid to tell people these things because they define me. Mm-hmm. And they make me better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great. I just always want to make sure that people thought about this. I used to work in the mental health field, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of like a lot of people signing paperwork that they had no idea what it said about sharing information, and that made me uncomfortable. And so, as time went on, I actually would explain, okay, this means if you check this box it means we can tell this person anything if we do this one it means we can only talk to them about these few things mm-hmm. i don't like tricking people there was i think i saw a lot of unintentional trickery i love tricking people i call it bamboozling <laughs> it's my entire boxing is about misdirection makes so much more sense in our <laughs> lessons. Um, all right. There's that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, this is primarily about you and your experience. It's also a conversation, mm-hmm. which means if you want to ask me a question, you can do that, uh, and I will answer or not, depending on if I feel cool with that. Um, and again... If I ask you a question, you're like, I don't want to go there. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not in that zone today. Say no to drugs. Um, <laughs> say no. Say no to to questions that you really don't want to say because sometimes people get into this space where they think, oh, I just, I have to be vulnerable now and I have to talk about these things that actually I'm not ready for, or especially I'm not ready to talk about that with you. <laughs> like, you know, um, I say that because I, I get yeah. to that place. And, yeah, I wanted to say there's a lot of things that you and I can talk about today that doesn't get into, like, deep trauma, right? Mm-hmm. I You said you were nervous earlier today, and I know you uh, over, like, you exaggerate sometimes, but I'm not <laughs> sure. I, um, yeah. I get nervous about a lot of things, but I, I, I find comfort in discomfort. I don't, I don't find comfort and discomfort. I want to become comfortable with discomfort because that's what makes... that's The best things in life are after the discomfort. Mm. And so I push myself in everything I do to be as uncomfortable as I can. Mm-hmm. I.e. having this interview, stepping in the boxing ring, going to college. These things are incredibly hard for me because of, my, because of who I am and all these things. Mm-hmm. And... I want to do it because I am uncomfortable and I learn more about myself. If that makes sense. Yeah. And so it helps me it helps me grow. Yeah. And so yes, 
I appreciate you being concerned about that, but that's just my philosophy on all this stuff is that I want to be uncomfortable. That's why I'm here. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. That's why I talk about it all the time at boxing. Sorry. No, no, no. That's, that's fine. I, I was just thinking other than physicality, I prefer, like, I feel like something's wrong if I'm not uncomfortable with physicality that like with, with boxing or doing things that I think look embarrassing. I have a very low tolerance for that, but in terms of mentally and emotionally, I have this sense often that if I'm feeling comfortable, <clears throat> that means that something is wrong, probably. <laughs> well, that was different than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little more droopy like this, and I touched it, and I'm like, oh, that's stiff. That's because it's it's trying to find other dirt to grow another thing and I really need to re like separate out the roots the oh is that root or whatever it's not a root it's you have to the reason I haven't done it is because you have to cut into it and that mm. makes me nervous <laughs> I mean you're doing it right yeah but I mean you're doing it right um my therapist uh knows a lot about plants and I learned about this plant and I loved it because it looked like uh a middle finger. <laughs> oh, I see it. Because they're, they're like hands and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck you. Uh, and so I was like, I need that plant. But I'm afraid of making that plant thrive, which would be to separate out the roots. Oh, that's funny. I am, I have the opposite of a green thumb. I killed a succulent in like a week. Oh. I didn't water it. Like over water. Like I maybe put like one little bit of water in it and it was maybe a week or two was gone and I was sitting there I'm just like how does this even happen I put like yeah. succulents are actually hard I tried to do succulents I have underwater cactus and overwatered moss I <laughs> I have special abilities and it wasn't until I started therapy that I started not killing plants and that's because I would actually have a better sense because that I was having a better sense of how I was feeling physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it helped me be like, oh, maybe I should touch the dirt. I can tell more like, oh, you're, you really need water. Uh, like, I just watered all of these because they were looking sad. Um, and knowing like, oh, wait a minute. That's interesting. I see. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, it's a lot about... Um, looking and seeing. Looking and seeing and feeling it out. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you're probably not going to be able to take care of your plants very well. I like I like doing that with people and animals. Mm -hmm. And I just haven't taken the time to learn about plants. And this is me making up excuses because that's easier than facing my, 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 myself. <laughs> I mean, that, that's fine. I... I've been trying a lot of new things lately, and last year we moved here, and suddenly I went from having one plant that was surviving to getting a bunch of plants from a friend who was dumping a bunch. And I have a side garden, and I have an herb garden, which I've never done before. I started boxing, I am doing this project, and I have shit about shit. <laughs> The only thing that I know how to do is I know how to talk and listen to people, <laughs> but the all the tech parts I'm not great at. All right. 
So the first question, how do you and I know each other? Um, you came walking into my work and punched me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I coach you at a boxing gym. Yeah, uh, I think we started, like what, how many months ago? Oh, I'm not the person. Time doesn't exist for me anymore. Probably, I'm also not really great with time, but six months ago? That sounds right. That sounds right, yeah. I, um... I started sleeping during the day and staying up at night, and when I started doing that, all time disappeared. <laughs> it just um, I fall asleep now when I'm tired, not when not trying to follow a schedule, and mm-hmm. time disappears. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that you have a weird sleeping schedule. I'm trying to match Paige a little bit more. She's a night nurse, so. When she she works through the night, I sometimes try to stay up with her when she's getting switching schedules or something like that. Or like when she comes home to sleep, I sometimes try to sleep during the same time. Yeah. Just, I try to find little ways so we can hang out. Because like I have all those hours. I'm, I work from, you know, 7 to 12. And then all the other hours are free from mine. I can sleep after work, before work. It doesn't matter. Right. Just, I need the, I need at least five hours and then I'm good. Yeah. So yeah, we started about six months ago, and you've been embarrassing me ever since. Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> no, it's just it's scary to learn how your body moves, right? It's, yeah. It's it's nothing we we don't actively think about it. We don't actively think like, mm-hmm. how do I move myself in this way? How do I move myself in this way? How can I be more efficient in moving this way? And so confronting that can be a little can be daunting. Yeah, it certainly it certainly has been, um, but it's it's been a good learning, good learning experience. I remember when my therapist mentioned boxing to me as a good way of finding embodiment. I thought, you know, this is probably a good idea. And then when I truly thought about having lessons, I had a full on panic attack. Yeah. All weekend it was it was probably the longest panic attack I had I remember the worst of it was the next day I was in church and like all throughout (laughs) all throughout the service I had this one sort of you know uh, not acute but long-term panic attack and it was really unpleasant so you can see how difficult it was for me to do something that I knew I was not going to be good at when I started. I don't think it's just about whether being good or bad. Um, I used to have panic attacks at the worst possible time. And what I mean by that is I've never had a panic attack my entire life. Um, I've never been, I've just been in my own little world. My entire life. <laughs> and um, then I found boxing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I fell in love with the sport immediately. I went to my coach at the time. I said, hey, I want to do this. How do I get here? They laid out the path. I did the path. And then the fight. The big, the big fight. And then I remember walking up to the ring, putting my feet through the ropes, 
and then immediately getting hit with that panic attack. Sorry, I thought you were going to say that you immediately just got hit in the face. No, <laughs> the panic attack. So my coach used to describe to me when I fought, I went somewhere else. Mm. And I never had any experience like that before. Mm. And I remember watching videos of me. And, like, the buildup was fine. I looked there. I looked present. And then the second I stepped in the ring, it just blank stare. Mm. And it got to the point where my coach said... Because I was getting hurt in the ring, right? That's, mm-hmm. that, that's the worst possible place to ever have a panic attack. Is when someone is allowed to hit you in the face. Because it sounds like dissociation. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And I didn't know how to handle the crowds. I didn't know how to handle any of that stuff and so when I stepped in the ring my body would still move I would still do my, have my training there but I would lights were off mm. um I remember thinking about about fights and be like oh I remember this part this part watching the video and being like that was completely wrong mm. and it got to the point where my coach said I'm not gonna take you to fights anymore because I don't I care about your health and I sat there and I was like and it was just devastating to me. You know, I cried. I was because I this I wanted to do this. Um, and that was my first experience with panic attacks, and understanding how important it is to know how your body is and how you move. Mm-hmm. I used to describe myself. Um, I felt like I was not a very deep person. But I would have these huge tidal waves of passion. Hmm. And um, have you ever seen the movie Interstellar? Yeah. Yep. Do you know that when they're on the planet and they have the, and they're like this huge wave just comes. It's huge tidal wave, yeah. but they're able to stand as like knee deep. The entire planet is knee deep, but these huge waves go around. Hmm. That's how I thought of myself. Hmm. And then boxing happened. And... I felt like I was drowning. Mm. It forced being in that moment, connecting my body to my emotions, forced me to be more aware of who I am. Mm. And I felt like I was drowning and that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I and I kept on trying to fight it. Yeah. And the more you fight these things, they entrench. They entrench. And then I realized Oh, I can float. Oh, I can I can swim. Mm. I can get out of this deep, deep water. I just have to not fight the current. Mm. And I have been trying to get back into shape, starting to fight. 2019, I had like five fights lined up. Mm. And they all fell through because of COVID. Mm. And then now I'm... St- Things are opening up again. I'm trying to step back in the ring. And I actually had a smoker recently, um, which is like an unofficial f- official fight. Oh, yeah. 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 And I had a moment while I stepped in the ring where I it, just a voice in my head. It was my voice, but a voice in my head said, I'm here. I'm ready. Mm. And it was one of my best, best performances. And I remember sitting there looking across at my opponent and thinking to myself, I'm here. Mm. And it was the hard work that I put in learning how I move, 
connecting myself to the ground, the same stuff that you're going through right now at the gym brought me to that point. That's fascinating to me because I, I, I work with two of you at the gym, but I just started with a different person and they were incredibly helpful in making it so that I could just do things that I wasn't thinking about it. I just did. And that was completely necessary because I think way too much and panic. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and that was such a new thing for me because I am, you know, I grew up in a family, you know, my parents were PhDs, they were linguists. I grew up in a very academically sort of rigorous family and thinking and writing and all that stuff were the most important things, which is great. But I get stuck in my head and when I started boxing, it took me out of that. And then when I started working with you, you were like, okay, you need to think about this. I was like, fuck. <laughs> you, you were very much into, you need to be, let's be purposeful about this. Let's be connected to the ground. Let's walk with confidence. And that was the next step that I needed. And also difficult. So I'm like, but I know how to do things. Like I can do things, but now I have to think about it, which means that I need to do both. Like I need to be both in my mind and in my body. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it can it's overwhelming but there's something that i learned is uh, through that experience that i just kind of talked mm -hmm. about and the big thing is is that there's no such thing as overthinking mm -hmm. i can't just but there are you can think about the wrong things mm -hmm. and when you're thinking about the wrong because there's no way I can overthink about like a math problem. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely overthink about a text message I sent to, <laughs> to my boss, right? I, you can, and that's just wasting my time, right? And so the way I connected that is through movement. I can't overthink my movement. Mm -hmm. If it feels silly, it looks silly, it probably is silly. <laughs> How can I think about trying? How can I move my hips? How can I move my my calves? How can I move my feet? How can I connect myself to the ground to make myself feel more connected, get more leverage, get more comfortable mm. with myself? Mm. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very grounding sport. Yeah. And a very connected sport. Because I remember I kept realizing, oh... That's right. My shoulders are connected to each other. My shoulders and my hips are connected to each other. Mm -hmm. And that sounds basic, but I really did not realize that that was true. Physically, because mm -hmm. I actually had separated them out. Yeah. And it's very easy to, I call it falling through life. <laughs> mm. Where you just take, where each step is just you catching yourself catching yourself, catching yourself, and you're not really moving with that purpose. Hmm. I think we're going to probably talk more about that, but I'll get to the second question, which is, how would you introduce yourself? And another way of saying that is, what is it that you would like other people to know about you? Um, that's a good question. 
I have never. That's a that's a hard question for me because I have never. I. My self expression is through is through me, and I again I told you this earlier. I live in Frankie world, right? I um I grew up not caring, like just being my own person, experiencing life through me. And I didn't care what other people really thought because I thought it was cool, so I did it. Like an example of that for me would be like third grade. I decided to every day wear my bicycle helmet. I was a child in elementary school wearing a bicycle helmet to school <laughs> every day. There are certain implications with that. <laughs> But I thought it was the coolest helmet. I called it the skateboard helmet. The ones that are a little more rounded. Mm -hmm. I put all these cool stickers on it. And I was like, it's like a baseball hat, man. I look so cool. People are <laughs> jealous. That's why they want me to take it off. So when you ask me to tell people how I want them to see me, that doesn't... Mm. I don't, that doesn't concern me. Um, yeah. Because I'm going to express myself in my way. And again, boxing has been my way to express myself. Mm -hmm. And it's I, it's the only place where I'm absolutely free to be me. Yeah. When you when you think about life and everything in it, there's all these social constructs that we have to follow. We have to follow all these rules. We have to follow. There's no such thing as freedom, mm -hmm. because even. When we think we're free, we still have to follow those social constructs. We have to we have to follow all these rules. And yes, it's free, but it's not really free. Mm. When I'm in the ring, all of that stuff melts away. Mm. I'm allowed to move. I'm allowed to, to say. I'm allowed to do anything I want. And nobody can bat an eye because I'm the one getting hit. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, And that, to me, is why, that's why I love the sport. is because I'm truly able to express myself. It's... it's, it's Artists have their canvas, I have mine, right? So, again, when it comes to my identity, it's ever-changing, it's ever-flowing. It's I don't think it's fair to myself to say, this is me. Because mm -hmm. I don't wear a helmet anymore. <laughs> mm. Don't tell my dad that. No, just... <laughs> um, I, think that, I think that sums up pretty much everything, though, is that, like, mm. my... That's, that's why I love the sports, what keeps me coming back. Yeah, I, I liked what you were saying about being ever-flowing and who you were is not what you are now and mm -hmm. what you are now is not what you will be. Mm -hmm. And so when you ask me, what do people want to know about you? I can't really answer that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's why I said it's a little complicated because mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have like, oh, this is me. I'm... I'm Frankie the Boxer. No, that's that's not who I am. I'm Frankie the Frankie. I think the one of the reasons that I asked that question is because a lot of the time people don't get to introduce themselves the way that they would like to. People tend to say, oh, I'm Eden and I'm a mental health professional. They usually say their jobs. And as someone who isn't currently working, it's a difficult, it's difficult to introduce myself to people. And so I, I like to give an opportunity for someone to be able to 
to just say who you are. And you, you have said who you are. You are someone who is not necessarily definable and who isn't really interested in what other people are thinking of you. I do, but I don't. It's interesting. Because... Mm. I like to be cool, like in my head. <laughs> Again, that's one of the reasons I love boxing is because it makes me feel cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm still a human. I still care what other people think. I still have that. But at the same time, if there's something that I, I'm like, oh, that looks fun. I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. For example, I put a cone on my head while we were training <laughs> because my head, my thought process was, huh, that looks fun. I immediately regretted it. <laughs> but it's if I see something I'm gonna go it's like oh this is something I want to go try mm-hmm. because um, kind of when I talk to you about my panic attacks mm-hmm. I, it, it, the, the crowd brought that on seeing how all these people look at me mm-hmm. and that that was hard right that's me caring about what other people think so it's not Fair to say that I don't care what other people think. Mm -hmm. Because I do. It's more about... Me trying to continue to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you already talking about... Embodiment and... And your connection to your body and losing that connection in your panic attacks and then gaining it back. Have there been other experiences in your life where you felt like you've lost that connection? Not really to that extent. Mm. I have had experiences that instead of making me lose my connection with myself made me lose my connection to others mm. there are, there are a few big ones that really connect that made me lose my social connections and that is something that makes me me mm. and it's one of the reasons why I got my my tattoo i got a snowboarder with a sad face Mm. and the reason why i got that was because no matter how sad i get i want to make sure to keep doing my hobbies and snowboarding was one of my very first hobbies Mm. and it's something that i do with my friends something i do with my set for myself my family and it's a reminder that i need to love myself enough to keep doing those things no matter how sad I get. Because after after that experience, I've, I'm a very athletic person. I, things have always come relatively easy for me when it comes to sports. It's why when in high school, when I, I barely passed high school, and the thing in high school that I held on to were my sports, because that's how I found my success. In, when I was younger and growing up. So I was never forced to look at these these connections. Mm. 
Um, and then boxing happened. And it forced me to learn about how I connect myself to reality. And that's kind of what I call ego. Um, to me, ego isn't like this big head. It's when reality doesn't ma match the thought in your head. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was going to come in boxing. And I thought it was be like every other sport I did where I was just able to just hop in, do it, get out. And that did not happen. Um, so once I learned why that didn't happen, how that didn't happen, I'm never going to let that disappear again. Mm. Because that's something that I cherish a lot. I think I got a little lost there. What is it specifically that you cherish? My connection to myself. And my with my body and my emotions. Mm, mm -hmm. I got lost too. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of talk and hope I can find my way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what I love about talking and, and having conversations and processing is that sometimes you realize something as you're saying it or you get lost and that's okay too. Yeah, yeah connecting, connecting myself... After I lost that connection with myself and my body and my movement through the panic attacks i wanted to make sure that never happened again and that's why i um that's why i make sure to not let that happen yeah and yeah yeah you were saying that other experiences in your life have caused you to lose connection others yes and so i didn't lose the connection with myself mm -hmm. i lost the connection with others and i'm a very social person i love mm -hmm. going out i love talking to people i love spending time with people it's why my definition of success when it comes to like um my career mm -hmm. isn't based on money it's not based on things it's not based on any of that it's i find success or one particular job, it's mm -hmm. I base it on whether or not I'm able to create and maintain communities. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I value. Mm -hmm. Do you mind talking about what it is that made you lose connection with your community? I don't really want to talk about that. That is okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a... That was a I'll talk about it, but I'm not going to go into detail about it. Um, it didn't make me lose connection with my community. It made me lose connection with my friends. And I think there's a little bit of a difference in that. Mm. My community is my work. My community is... that. That's what my... And boxing, that's my community. They are all my friends. But the, I think there's a difference between like my community and my friends. Mm. I didn't lose that. And that's what brought me back. Mm. I lost my friends because I couldn't go out and talk to them anymore. I couldn't hang out with them anymore. I couldn't do these things to, sp to spend my time. And you, I, you think you need both, right? Mm -hmm. And I was, and that is, that is what I lost mm. in that experience. Yeah. Mm. 
uh, just so that I don't bump into this again, is this related to your relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just don't want to go into detail about that. I can talk about the experiences. I can talk about all that other stuff, but I don't want to... I don't want to put that out there because I feel like that's, you know, I still care about her and all that stuff. And I don't, and I don't want like a bad, cause people, we know same people, they connect the dot, they can easily connect the dots to the time zones and stuff like that. And so I don't need to throw anyone on the bus or anything like that. So I'm trying to stay away from it. I'm gonna like really like I can talk about my feelings my experiences like I did like I talked about how I got taken away from my friends I got talk I talked about that stuff but there's no reason to to say what the reason was okay I can I'll dive I can dive into it don't be afraid to to okay ask questions around it but I will start pushing away if mm -hmm. I don't like I'll try to direct it into a different direction if okay yeah this is I studied interviewing, so. <laughs> yeah, this is my major, so. Oh, okay. Communications. That's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm not just, like, you know, pushing on something that that you are like, nope, nope, nope. It's, um, so this is, like, the fine art of interviewing. It's really fun. Um, when you ask a question, someone, because, like, I, I, I'm only going to give, you're only going to get what I give, right? You have your outlines, you have all that stuff, and you follow with what they, but you your outlines only get you so far. It's just like a boxing match, right? You can have a plan, but it only gets you so far. You don't know what's going to happen. And so when someone brings up something else, they, they try to steer it this way, instead of trying to direct it the way you want to, just kind of follow with it. And you can slowly bring it back. You can slow, it's like a, it's a slow turns. It's not these, you can't, it's not a sports car that can go, zippity all over the yeah. place it's more like a giant uh giant truck or something like that that mm -hmm. takes time to turn yeah and i've done that before in these interviews uh with this one i just wanted to be more direct yeah um, and have more care around it but yeah. i will share what i'll share as long as you keep doing what you're doing with kind of slowly turning and not trying to turn straight into it yeah sounds good because i don't know what it was but something in that situation kind of maybe put my walls up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see it. And I don't, again, I don't know what it was I, that made me go, I don't want to go that way. Mm -hmm. But some put, something went up there and I'm like, all right, that's what my body's saying. Let's go this way. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. Um, I'm just trying to remember where, where we were. Let's see. Here we go. So you lost connection with your friends. Earlier you were talking about losing connection with your body and working on gaining it back. What was it that helped you either, I don't know if you gained those friends back or if you just worked, met new friends or how, how did that work for you? Uh, I just... I just kept talking to them. I, I not just kept I, I reached out to them and I apologized. I'm sorry I've been gone for a year and a half. Um, explained my side of the story and all 
almost all of them were very understanding. Some of them weren't. Um, they weren't mad at me, but I didn't like how they were reacting. They were trying to, like, overprotect me, and I didn't like that. I didn't like when people were sitting there trying to be like, oh, they did this, well, we gotta do this. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't care enough to do that. I just, I want to find my happiness again. And... And that's, yeah. Because, I don't know, I don't like, I don't like hurting people. It's a very weird possession, um, profession to be in as a boxer. But, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I do my best to let people live their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the new things that I've been working on a lot lately, and I mean for the last six months, I forgot about it for a while, and I felt myself getting... I got angry with myself, was the idea that I want to give my energy out without possession. Mm. And so what I mean by that is, or expectation, without expectation. Mm. And what I mean by that is I don't want to, I just want to be able to go out, spend time with people, and don't expect anything in return. Mm. Um, one of my favorite... Um, A, a lot of people um, who are trying to start a new relationship get really angry. And I've been, I just see this all over TikTok, all over Instagram, all that stuff, about ghosting. Mm. And reasonably so. It's a very frustrating thing. But once I realize that I am putting my expectations on myself, on, my, on that other person... I didn't think that was fair. Mm. I, I don't want to ghost people. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stop talking. I want to say, hey, I don't know it's working out. It's, it's not going to work out. Mm. Um, I'm not perfect at that. <laughs> yeah. I've stopped talking to people before. But I realized that when people stop talking to me, it's because I'm like, and they just ghost to me. They just stop talking to me. I'm just like, well, why would you do that? It's because I'm putting my expectations on them. Mm. And that's not fair mm. to them, right? I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what their life is. Mm. I, I don't need to have that. It's it's me. It's It felt like I was trying to take control of a very uncontrollable situation. Mm. Because, and that's, again... That's not fair. And so the, that's something that I've been trying to really work on is give my energy, give myself without expectations from the other person. Yeah. Yeah, I I find it. It speaks to me when you talk about that sort of pulling away, pushing away that's happening in that relationship, being caused by expectation and control. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever thought about it that way, 
and as someone who really hates it when people ghost me and that confusion I know that I definitely get I have difficulty with expectations mm -hmm. and with control and so that is really helpful to hear yeah hmm. and yeah and so it's like one of those things where I'm just in there and I'm like I have more fun when I just go out and give my energy, give myself, because I have unlimited energy. Everybody has unlimited energy. Mm. It's, and I don't mean like, let's go run a 5K. No, I mean like, we can always give, give ourselves out to the world. The reason we don't is because sometimes we can get hurt. Mm. I have gotten up Every time I've gotten hurt. And I... I don't want my walls... To stop me from living my life. When I... When I was... Told that I shouldn't box anymore. When I... Failed college my first time. When I... Every time I've lost... And I, I'm just using lost win and lose because those are the terms that i grew up with mm. um they were lessons mm. and when i say lose i don't mean like lose i mean it's a lesson it's just mm. those two words are interchangeable to me mm. and every time i've gotten hurt every time i put my I, I let my walls down and I got hurt. Mm. I came back. Better. Stronger. Faster. <laughs> <laughs> Taller. No, that wasn't true. <laughs> but every time I've let my walls down and someone ends up hurting me, I've never been kept down for long. I get hurt when I keep those walls up. Because I'm a person, I like to move around. Everyone likes to move around. Everyone, likes, everyone wants to touch some grass. And when we keep those walls up, we've got a very little, little amount of grass. Mm. Mm. Now this is reminding me what was it? Something game, the, the shoulder game, the... What is it? The, the shoulder game, the... Try to touch the shoulder. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. you have to show some vulnerability in order to actually... Okay, yep. Make the hit. You have to throw a punch. You have to open up to land a punch. Yeah. When I throw my... I can sit with my hands protecting my face and my body for the entire three minutes. Mm. And I would just get the crap beaten out of me. I would be safe. I wouldn't get really, really hurt. I'd get a lot of bruises, mm -hmm. but I'd be safe. But I would never, I would never land a single punch if I did that. I have to be vulnerable. I have to open up. I have to be me if I want to land a punch. And I think when I was working with someone else, actually, I just remember hearing, like, you can actually get hurt even when you have all of your defenses up, if mm -hmm. you have them up all the time that can also lead you to just sort of 
I don't remember why, but I remember that being said, and it, it made me think a lot. I, I did not expect when I got into boxing that a sport that at least very much looks like it's about hurting the other person, that it would teach me so much about vulnerability and interpersonal relationships. <laughs> Neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how I told you about that tidal wave? Yeah. Yep. Neither did I. <laughs> I did not think it was going to be this deep. <laughs> when I first started boxing, I literally thought it was just two guys in the middle of the ring and whoever stood there longer wins. Mm. And then when you start to get a little bit deeper, a little bit closer, you start to see how close those punches land, how none of them really are, how they roll with it, how they let these moments where they, they let these things that are trying to hurt them roll through them. Mm. It's, a, it's a conversation. That's why I love it. I'm talking to the other person. Can't hide behind words when you have nothing but body, body language mm. and your true self gets shown. makes me think of I don't remember where this was from but it was talking about how when you don't speak the other person's language when you can't understand the words there there are some things that a person who might speak the language they might miss whereas you might catch some things like body language that tells you oh like this person um, is acting shifty or they're scared or they might be saying that with words that I don't understand but their body is saying something else and it's something I've definitely thought about as someone who grew up surrounded by people who were speaking a language that I didn't understand very well and I had to learn all about body language and learning oh I'm supposed to laugh here. That wave that is occurring right now, that means that I'm supposed to laugh at this crescendo. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Body language is cool. <laughs> yeah. And something that's pretty fun is when body language doesn't match the words they're saying. Mm-hmm. That's what makes people feel uneasy. Yeah. Is when those two things don't match. It makes people put up walls. It makes people be like, what's going on? What's mm. what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. What I'm thinking about is just the way the word walls has come up several times when you were feeling nervous earlier and then talking about it with vulnerability and things like that. You know, there are times where it's necessary to have some in order to not be just exposed. You look like you differ with that. No, 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 I'm agreeing with you. Is Walls are important. They're there to protect us for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's when our walls are too high and too strong mm -hmm. when it becomes an issue. Same thing with boxing. I can keep my, there's a reason why I keep my hands there, right? My hands up, protecting myself doesn't mean I have it's when absolutes happen mm. right if I have to keep my hands here no matter what or if I keep my hands away from me no matter what that's where the issues that's where the problems come 
-hmm. it's it's a dance with both Mm -hmm. protecting yourself and letting things down protecting yourself and letting things down and different experiences teach us when's right times to do that Mm -hmm. and when it comes to me it's just like I don't want past experiences to stop me from generally giving people the benefit of the doubt Mm -hmm. I don't want my walls to stop me from living my life I don't want my walls to stop me from experiencing everything I can but that doesn't mean that I just walk around with no walls. That would be insane. I, I have to walk around with protection, right? Yeah. The, there is, but that doesn't mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I haven't thought that much about the intricacy of opening and closing. I think I got something. When I fight, I fight with my hands down a lot. Because my, so my walls are down. I'm accepting that I'm going to get hit, but I use my footwork and my head movement to protect myself. Mm-hmm. So just like how we have our walls for stopping people, we have ways to mitigate that stop, that, 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 that pain, that trauma, Right. I, in boxing, I call it the three pillars of defense. Blocking, head movement, footwork. The walls are you blocking. You can just keep, hold your hands close and not get hit. And, and protect yourself that way. As the barrage of life hits you. <laughs> but then there's ways that we can mitigate that as well. And I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but that's what footwork and head movement is. I use my footwork to protect myself going in and out. And my head movement to protect myself left and right. And I think our def- defenses are kind of the same way. It's it's not fair to say it's this or that. I'm a complicated human being. We're complicated human beings. We're not this or that. We don't have just one wall. We don't have just one upper drawbridge that goes up and down. Yeah. I'm a complicated human being. And I'm just trying my best to articulate my thoughts when it comes to this. And, again, boxing's been my medium into that. There's the three main ways to defend yourself. All of them cause, are there for different reasons. And even, like, for example, even though my hands are down, I have low walls, I have other ways that I protect myself. Yeah. I, I let people in, but I don't always let people in. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. They might be in the courtyard, but they're not in the castle. Hmm. Yeah. You know, it's usually when I'm doing this, I I might feel excited, but I I feel generally comfortable. And for some reason today, I don't know what it is, but like there's something going on where talking about defenses I feel 
defensive and I'm not sure <laughs> what it is. It's, it's, yeah. Could it be feeling seen? Could it be, um, vulnerability breeds vulnerability. And so if one person is vulnerable, that other vulnerability is going to come out. And I think it also, it might not be seen, but it could be a big part of why you're feeling defensive is because I am connecting all of our vulnerabilities to movement. Mm. And you, you were telling me earlier that you have a really hard time <laughs> with feeling comfortable with movement. Mm. And because we're, we're polar opposites. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You find comfort in in words, education, education. I think maybe not education, but in structure. Definitely structure. Yeah. But also being more cerebral. Okay. But yeah, I like yeah. Structure is a big thing. I think because 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 you talked about how you like. I, I use education because edu the, the issue with me in education was having that structure of learning. Mm -hmm. I'm very good at learning the things that I want to learn my way. Mm -hmm. I'm very bad at sitting in a classroom for hours. That's why I, once I realized college was different, I could actually go and not go, watch online, do it how I want to do in that moment. It was great for me. Yeah. But it, I had to fail to do that. I am very chaotic in my way I learn with how I live my life and how I proceed things and you're very structured this way it needs to be through your lines i feel like am i wrong about that or no i mean to some extent of, of yeah. course we're, we're like i said we're complicated human beings yeah in terms of our relationship you're you're chaotic good and i'm whatever hell the other one is <laughs> because, <laughs> but, yeah again i don't i don't know you like that i'm just through yeah. training and watching where you're uncomfortable, where you're uncomfortable, where you're comfortable. Yeah. It, again, I don't know, but I'm just kind of like looking from the outside in. Yeah. Trying to find the right words, but I've always been someone that grew through chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's always been through getting punched in the head, uh, running around in sports, I, I never learned in organized way. Mm. And yeah. that could be what's so uneasy. Is because I'm bringing something that you taught yourself. Not taught, that you learned through that organized way. Mm -hmm. With me being like, yeah, I got, I learned this guy by getting punched in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? Oh, that was rad. Right? That's... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, specifically what I was feeling is I was like, oh... That's right, Frankie works on disruption. <laughs> when you talk often about basically messing up the other person's rhythm. Mm -hmm. When I fight, I've, I'm like Mario in Mario Kart. I don't hit the hardest, I don't move the fastest, I don't have... I, I am a little bit of everything. And so I don't get to lean onto something. And so the, what I learned that I get to lean on is being disruptive. Mm -hmm. I get to, I want to think you figured out your pattern while completely changing my pattern. Yeah. I've, 
and that's why I have a very I have a classified punches as Frankie's bag of bullshit punches, which are just a bunch of punches that don't hit hard, but they're either really quick, yeah. snappy, or they look like one punch and become another one. Yeah. Because that's uncomfortable. And as soon as you make someone uncomfortable, they either shell up and or go wild. Mm-hmm. And when you're fighting, when I see either of those two things, I go, okay, now I just need to stay calm through the storm, or now I need to break down the walls. Yeah. And it becomes, and it's just, it's just a chess match. And I love that. I love thinking about these things because it's, it's fun. Yeah. Mm. And when we get comfortable, we don't grow. That's where that disruptiveness comes from. Mm. I'm constantly disrupting myself. <laughs> mm. Hence why I'm here. I'm uncomfortable with this. I put myself here because it's uncomfortable and I want to grow. I want to get more comfortable talking to a microphone, talking to a person, being in front of camera. All these different things. Yeah, I think part of it is that I feel your discomfort. <laughs> I think that's definitely a part of it. Mm. The idea of waves has come up a few times, and I find the ocean beautiful, and it sounds cool, but frightening when you go into it. Like swimming or like on a boat? Swimming. Yeah. Yeah, it's scary. I remember, I don't remember where I was, but there was, I remember it was the first time I went to an ocean that's actually warm. Because mm. like, you know, we're in the Pacific Northwest. It's colder than cold out there. <laughs> Imagine going swimming in the sound. <laughs> yeah. And no thank you. Um... But I would run out in the water and I was like, you know, I was like 10 years old, I was 5 years old. Like I said, I don't remember where it was because I was so young. But the waves would hit me and it would knock me off my feet. I would go rolling up the water. And then it felt like someone was dragging me back into the ocean. Mm. I had so much fun with that. Because it was, it was just, it felt like someone was just pulling me to the ocean. I'm like, I'm so tired, I can't swim. What am I going to do? And it scared the crap out of me, but it was so much fun. I don't think I was that scared. But it was so much fun. Cause I, I, and I, I don't remember anything else about that trip. I was with my, with my, with my parents. And I, but I do remember being dragged back into the ocean multiple times. And me continuously jumping in to get that dragging feeling. I think it says a lot about who I am as a person. <laughs> no, it, it really does. Because I, I specifically, when I was young, I remember being in the ocean and feeling that dragging feeling and being afraid that I could not get back to the shore. I can't believe that we did this, but I was going out with my brother and like it was a bunch of, I think, cousins or whatever that, that we were going out and each of us had our buddy that we were supposed to hold hands and like when it was called out, like, do you have your buddy, right? My brother and I, and my brother has no excuse for this. I was small, but my brother was older. We thought we had to hold hands the whole time. 
And when you hold hands the whole time, you can't swim well. <laughs> and so we got caught up. And we're trying to get back, but we were swimming like shit. Like we were swimming shittily because we were we were holding hands and we were like I was really scared my dad ended up coming out and like pushed us back and we were we were fine, but that dragging feeling, that that feeling of disruptive waves and being utterly out of control. And so for me hate that. I hate that. I don't like swimming in the ocean. I don't like swimming in anything that has waves. Yeah, I saw that and said, I'm going to conquer this wave. I'm going to run through it. Yeah. Can't beat nature. <laughs> no. No. It's interesting, in, in the work that I used to do, mental health work, I was like that. I, there were, there's a lot of chaos. Um, there's a lot of disruption in the day. My schedule was usually very flowy and, and all of that. And, and there were times that I was very frightened in, in my work, um, for one reason or another. And while I, you know, I did burn out of that job because the level of the unsafety was, was just way out of control, but I thrived off of a certain amount of chaos. So I do enjoy some of it in certain contexts and I miss it. Like I often have this aching feeling of like, ah, oh, like, man, those were the days when I, you know, put out a fire in the microwave and like there was shit everywhere and you know <laughs> you know and that time that I was running down the stairs because I was afraid you know like I I get some of that but when it comes to again when it comes to like disruptions that I have to physically deal with it's very different Yeah. Controlled, I call it controlled chaos, where you have the support of the institutions in place, but there's no control inside of those institutions. <laughs> Not inside of, this, inside of, the, inside of that area. Mm -hmm. Again, I think of my meeting to everything is boxing. You have the coach, the ref, there's rules, mm -hmm. but there's absolute chaos when you're inside the ring. And you have to, and everyone's goal is to bring order to that chaos. That's why we have our stances. That's why we have to hold our hands up. That's why we do these things because we want to bring control. And that's why some of the best boxers out there are ones that completely disrupt that. Like mm -hmm. Sweet P, Sweet P. Williker. Oh, I think that's his name. It's one of the best boxers out there unbelievably skilled in how he moves his body mm. cannot touch him because he takes those rules and he bends them as far as they can go mm. and i know his like fight name is like sweet pea but i don't remember his i think i got his name right but he was just able to 
he was he just he took those rules that everyone tries to create order through the chaos and changed it. And it's something that I do when I'm fighting. It's if someone is outboxing me, if someone is doing better than me, I I I constantly have this thought. It goes, "Okay, let's bring chaos now." And I throw all my rules out the door. I throw huge punches, like overhand punches, and I just throw as many as many things at them. I I throw everything in the kitchen sink. And and then as soon as I see them feel that disruption is when I bring everything back into the into the into the rules. And because I threw that I threw chaos at them. They get very uncomfortable and they don't snap back into their order as fast. Mm. And so it's this cycle of chaos, no chaos, chaos, no chaos, chaos, no chaos. Mm. That's so disruptive. Mm. Another one of my little punch it tricks out of my bag. <laughs> mm. I'm curious, outside of boxing, what does that chaos bring you? Peace. Because once you know everything's going to come at you, it's going to be fine. Not even that. Mm. Once you're not afraid of what's what's to come, you get to relax a little bit more. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. I'm just brought back to what you were talking about with ghosting and expectations and mm-hmm. control. Is that you are... You are not attempting to control the world that is around you. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to live in it. Yeah. Also, when you were talking about, you know, you, the, the panic that you were feeling and realizing, oh, I keep trying to fight this and that's not working. I need to flow with this instead. Mm-hmm. I learned that I can't control anything. Like, even to some extent, I can't control my feelings or how I feel. Mm -hmm. That's why they're feelings. I feel them. I don't control them. And so the way I find control is to by letting go of control. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And Mm -hmm. It doesn't... (laughs) Yeah. I'm actively trying to let go. The active part is me controlling it. Yes. Because I can't. Yeah, because you, you... You're not, I'm thinking about, uh, what is it, the, the words, uh, whatever. What it means is if someone believes that they have no control over what's about of their life, they are constantly sort of being buffeted around and, and believe Oh, like things just happen to me. Uh, I'm a victim of the world and of chaos and of circumstances. And you don't want that. You don't want that level of like, well, things just happen to me. But you also know that you can't control the world. It's somewhere in between there where you are being active. You are being active in letting go. Does that sound Mm -hmm. right? That sounds right. Funny though, this is a joke, kind of. I, I saw this theory on TikTok that I believe with all of my heart now. <laughs> um, that free will doesn't exist. <laughs> um, 
And his reason behind it is if I take a plate, like a glass plate, and I drop it, and it breaks. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, and it looks like it's broken in a certain way, it looks like it's all random. Mm -hmm. But if you replay it, you can mathematically map out how that plate's going to break. And the theory goes that there's no free will because we are humans from our circumstances. We are who we are because of what happens to us. And if we could see the Big Bang, we could mathematically figure out how things work. And see where the pieces fall. It's a really dumb theory, but I love it. <laughs> I, I wish I could give the guy credit, but I don't know. I don't remember. It was some random TikTok I saw like half a year ago and it just stuck with me. I'm like, huh, fun. I, I think what worries me is, um, is the fatalism, the determinism that can come, at least thinking, thinking that way about everything. What do you mean? So, fatalism? Fatalism meaning it's fate. Um, this, these things will happen. Um, I am, I am trapped by things that are, you know. I see what yeah. you mean. Um, again, that, yeah, I get that. For me, it's perspective. Yeah. I, it's, have you ever heard of that, uh, the theory that we're living in a simulation? Yes, the, the sort of matrix. Yeah, and my thought process is, that'd be kind of interesting. It doesn't matter, because I'm still me, <laughs> right? Right. And, even if everything we look at is fake, it's real to me. Mm. Uh, it's relative. Mm. Even though fate, everything, even if everything is planned out, it's relative. It matters to me. Mm. And so that, that stuff doesn't really, mm. like, I understand, like, that, like, you can get really trapped in that ideology. But, like, to me, I'm, I mean, I think that's the, what's so beautiful about this world is that the purpose of life, the purpose of everything is that there is no purpose. Mm. And that's what's so beautiful about it is that I get to decide what the purpose is. Mm. I get to go the purpose and sometimes, and it doesn't mean this is every day. Yeah. Some days the purpose is just go home and give my catechism in the head. Mm. Sometimes my purpose is to, do other grand things, but mm. there is no purpose, and that's what gives it purpose. Mm. Yeah, I realized that, that earlier I just sort of went after that thought instead of sort of exploring it more with you. Like what, what is it about that theory that makes you smile, that makes you laugh, that, that brings you that joy? It's just relative to me, I have as much I could decide what I want to do. Mm. And to think that that's already predetermined is just kind of fun to me. And mm. to, and it puts it in a concept that makes sense in my head. Dropping the plate, it looks break a breaking glass looks random, but you can mm. tell mathematically where mm. if you calculate it out i can't do that right computers can and a lot of people can too 
can tell you how the possibilities of each break, each direction, and where it's gonna go. And I, I'm not very good at probability, but like you know, that's that's basically what that is. And you can tie that if you find the break of the Big Bang. Again, I don't know enough about astrophysics to be like, oh, the Big Bang. I think it was the, I think the pre- proper term for it is like the big stretch, because <laughs> everything was so dense together. Yeah. And then that's why the space is con is expanding, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's moving. Everything was so densely packed together that it just kind of started expanding. Yeah, I guess what what just confuses me is is how your your fascination by that and your love of that while also being the delightfully chaotic person that you are. <laughs> I love those aspects of me. Mm-hmm. These aspects of being smiling, going out, being personable, talking to people. I love those things about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in an abusive relationship a, a little bit ago, and I had to ask myself, who do I want to be after that? Because it kind of took that away from me. Mm-hmm. And... Learn. I had to relearn who I was. Mm. And I looked back at who I was and I said, these are the things that I want to keep and I cherish these things about me. I don't want to lose that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make sure that this is still here. Mm-hmm. And so even when things might seem grim, like we have no freedom, I'm still <laughs> like, okay, that's kind of funny. Because it's mm. funny to me. Because... Mm. Like, even take today's world. We we have created these institutions that are so massive and so large, we can't do anything about them. Mm. Um, that's why I love that movie, Don't Look Up. People were like, oh my god, it's too on the nose. But the, what that movie said to me was that it was commentary on the institutions that we have created that are so large that mm. day-to-day people feel like they can't do anything about it. And that's how that's how I feel a lot of the time, and that can be very daunting. And I choose to actively go through my life with a smile and try to laugh and laugh at the at the sorrow and pains of my life because comedy and tragedy are same two different sides of the same coin. Yeah, I love. I'm never sure what, what term to use for this, but I love humor that is connected with tragedy to pain. It's human. It's it's very, very human. And, you know, I think oftentimes comedians are people who have experienced a great amount of pain. And, yeah, I, I laugh really hard when when something connects with you when you feel a connection to a story and to pain and then humor is made out of it, it it's, it's magic. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you, you talk a lot about getting hit or, or falling or getting hurt and, and bouncing back up from that and and you, you mentioned this relationship that you were in, this abusive relationship, and now you're here, and you are in a 
a positive relationship. How, how does that work for you? That going from being hit, being hurt in some way. Paige is just amazing. <laughs> she she kind of watched the whole thing unfold from the sidelines. Mm. And I've known her for a very long time. And she, she didn't... She let me grow the way I needed. She just kind of sat there and said, that sucks. Want some soup? (laughs) And she didn't just, she, she is the reason why I'm trying to give my energy without expectation. Because she just came in and said, let's hang out. I just want to spend time. And she did not expect anything from me. And she still doesn't. She just wants to spend time with me. And I try... I'm doing my very best to do that same thing for her. And... That's why it's... I was able to get through that. It's because I had... My friends. I had my community. And they all gave me the space and time I needed to grow. And that's... That's why I think it's so healthy right now is that when we we don't put these expectations on each other. If there's a problem, we solve it. But if we need help, we're very, we first thing we say is, can I get some help with this? And we do our best to just, you know, spend time with each other and that kind of stuff. There's no, there's no secrets to these, to these things. Like a lot of people talk about red flags and stuff like that. And that, that's, we're humans. We're more than just red flags, you know? We're more than these easy little, like, catch catchphrases that will build these relationships. We're more than that. And that's what we recognize in each other. Because I remember at the start of our relationship, I said no. I was like, no, I'm hurt. I need me time. And then after that, I was like... You know what? I really enjoy hanging out with you. I like your face. And she goes, "What? You like no?" <laughs> now it wasn't it wasn't like that. It was like, oh, I, "I like you too, but like um no, thank you." Mm-hmm. And we and we constantly pushed back back and forth against each other. And we just realized that we just kept on hanging out. We just kept on spending time with each other. We just kept on doing these things and with each other. With zero expectations. Mm. And we're like, wait a minute, we really like this. Why don't we just continue to do this? Mm. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. I, you're sort of feeling each other out and figuring out, okay, that's where you are. I'm going to be over here. And the other person being like, oh, that's where you are. I'm here and I can be a, with you in this process yeah and it was it built a lot of i don't i don't know how to explain it it we didn't want to force the other person to lose themselves and so we just grew together yeah instead of forcing people to do these things i remember when we started dating, 
she made some comment and she's like, oh, I usually get myself flowers for these kind of things. Because she, she wanted to make sure to get herself flowers because she was taking care of herself. Mm. So I was like, oh, fun. So I go buy some flowers for these little things that she, used to, she usually does for herself. Mm. Because it was the first time I was actually able to listen to her because there was no, not just her, but listen to my partner because there was no sense of expectations. There was no sense of, if I make one wrong step, I'm going to be in trouble. And so I was actually able to listen to them and hear them because they weren't expecting me to do these things. And I know how that, she gave me the freedom to listen. And be there with her, if that makes sense. You were talking earlier about she was with you while you were growing, which, as you mentioned earlier, means that you are uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And being with someone who's uncomfortable and just allowing that to be is hard and can be beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's, I got this um, problem from my mom. <laughs> and it's my codependence. Mm. And I remember my mom was talking to my dad, was talking to me once about how she handles it appropriately with my father. Because when people are mad, when they're upset, the codependent side of me goes, how can I help? Like, calm down. Like, we got this. <laughs> um, and my mom's the same way. And then she goes, when I see my dad upset, instead of trying to solve the problem, I find another problem that I could help with. What are you eating for lunch? I'm going to make you something. Have you made the bed yet? I can go make the bed for you real quick. It'll be, it'll be easy and you'll have that. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And it gets that itch in the back of the head where I need to take care of, like I need to take care of the person mm -hmm. because you help them, but in a way that they didn't need. Because... They're, an they're a strong person just like you and they can solve their problems just like you. So that's why solving the problem they didn't need is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's something I've definitely thought about is, you know, definitely for myself of wanting the other person to be able to handle that I'm not okay. To, to, and by that I mean... To just be with it. Yeah. Something that I try to do is when some anyone's upset with me, I go, do you need a solution or do you need to listen? And I learned that from my sister, actually. Her and her, her, her boyfriend partner do that. And it has helped me out tremendously. Because... Mm. I, I know for a fact I can't solve solve problems for anything. And so being able to ask that kind of sets the scene for what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was getting uh, kind of teary when you were talking about your relationship with Paige and, and also with your friends of just that sort of constant reading of each other and adjustment and being present. Yeah, um, a lot of it though is, I don't think it's, I don't like making assumptions, like, like, 
reading people. I, that's why I always go, this is what I see. Like, I did this while we were talking earlier. This is what I see. How close am I to this? To how you actually feel? Mm-hmm. Because that I don't like it when people assume things about me. And so I go, this is, again, this, 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 it's literally like a checklist in my head. This is what I see. Mm-hmm. Is it close? And then you, then they respond. And I go, this is what I see. Is this close? Mm-hmm. A lot of people can find that tedious, especially like when I'm fighting with someone and like, not like fight, fight, like verbally, like talking, having a disagreement. I purposely try to restate what they're saying so that I can understand the message they're trying to send. Because that's how, because that's what communication is like. Even I know, I know this is dumb. I know this is dumb. But like, if I point at a color and it's blue, how do we know that the blue is the same for you as it is for me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that's dumb. But I know, but I like, think, it's, I don't think that's. Dumb. I don't even. But I know it's been overused, right? That's a constant. Uh-huh. It's a constant that people talk about, right? Communication is the same way. Mm. Words, we need to get the message across. How do we get that message across? Mm-hmm. I look. I think of it like our message is the moon, mm-hmm. right? And we have a bunch of signs, and they're pointing straight to the moon, right? And they're trying to describe that moon. But the only way you're gonna be able to see that moon, you, but you cannot see the moon. You can only have the signs. Mm. You only have the signs pointing at this beautiful thing in the sky, but you can't look up to see it. No matter how beautiful those signs are, no matter how articulate those signs are, they're never going to be able to describe the magnificence of the moon. Right. And that's what communication is. The moon is the message. What, what we feel. Mm. And those signs, no matter how pretty they are, are never going to describe that moon. Mm. And so I just try, I try to paint the picture of their moon with my words and they try to paint the picture of their moon with their words and we try and I try to match it the best I can. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that clarification because I think that's what I, I really was, was feeling in that relationship was that I guess, yeah, reading wasn't the right word, but uh, reading body language and and talking to each other through it and just a lot of I'm thinking specifically when you were talking about going back and forth of like well d- does this work or does this work or uh, no no <laughs> you know and that just always working to see where the other person is and where you know where you are yourself think is a beautiful way to have a relationship with someone yeah and yeah no need to get mad over signs what do you mean by that the words ah no no reason to get mad over over words over trying to point out the moon it's just about understanding what the moon is. And so, like, I, I mispronounce words all the time. I don't remember things. I 
do things my way. I've tried countless times to fit into society in different boxes and it just doesn't work for me. And a lot of my past relationships wanted that box and I just, I'm like, I can't even fit into four walls, let alone a box. And Paige is the first person that says, come hang out out here. And I really, and I really appreciate that. Which is funny that I fight in a box. <laughs> yes. But you chose to be there. Yes. Because it's the freest place. I think about boxes a lot because I, I hate like personality tests and all that shit. Like I, I really, I don't want people to, to be like, oh, I know you and I know I have this whole thing set up for the box that you fit in. I love personality tests. <laughs> but you don't like boxes, but you like personality tests. I used to hate personality tests. And then I took a class on leadership. Mm. And now I love personality tests. It's because it changed my perspective of those things. Of those. Mm. I love to get to know people. I love the deep conversations. I love to grow with someone. I love to sit there and be with someone. Mm-hmm. Personality tests make that faster. And what I mean by that is that person personality tests, as long as you have to realize that personality tests aren't the end point, they're the starting mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. When you when you take a personality test and you tell me you're this, then I get to say, now I know how to communicate with you to get to the real stuff. I know how to do these things so I can get to the the meat of who you are and not put you in that box. And I hated personality tests. I've done them all and I did not understand it. And then I took this one leadership class and I was like, that's where you start? Because I always treated it as the finish line, mm. not the starting point. Mm. And it helps... It helps you get to the important stuff faster. Yeah, that... I like I like the sound of that. I should say, I hate the way a lot of people use personality tests. Not the, not the tests themselves, because when I actually think about it, you can learn a lot about yourself, and you can learn a lot about another person. But yeah, it's, it's the beginning and... You also need to remember that people are complicated and they don't, they're not just one thing. Well, I'm an Aries, so like that's important to know. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was, so that's something that I've been, because every person I talk to now is like, oh, I hate personality tests. Because of that same reason is why I hated them. Mm. And that's a lack, uh, that's, I feel like, a lack of leadership. Because people aren't utilizing those tools the way they're supposed to. It's like trying to hammer a staple. Eventually it's going to get in, but it's not, it's going to get bent. It's going to be bad. It's not going to be, it's, it's not, it's, tools aren't made to work together. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking about in terms of, of not wanting to be trapped in a box is 
being allowed to be who you are and not have assumptions being made about you. With the way that you sound like the proper way of using these is, oh, I think I understand some, and I want to use that to learn more instead of, I definitely know who you are and I have a definition. And if you fall outside of that, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong, not the personality test. Yeah, and it sounds like Paige, a lot of what I'm hearing about your relationship is the space. Being given the space to grow, being given the space to have the feelings that you have and not being fixed. Mm-hmm. And we, we give that to each other. And it's interesting. We, uh, we have opposite schedules. She works nights, I work days. And sometimes we're forced to be put in that space because of our opposite schedules. But it makes the time that we have together so much better. Because... It's like, before we were living with each other, she would come over every day before work. And she would just come over, even if it's just for 20 minutes, and we'd have, she'd have coffee, (laughs) and maybe breakfast, and then she'd go off to work. And it was these little things that we really cherished, because we just got to spend some time with each other. And now... Instead of having 20 minutes, we get three to four hours because we live together and that's our time. Yeah. And we both cherish that time and we want to give it to each other. Good? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. to make it as loud and as long as possible. <laughs> just like, excuse me? Nothing <laughs> by like staring at someone who's drinking water. Two hands together holding the cup. <laughs> they can't see me make do these actions, so I want to, I want them to know. <laughs>